This broadcast was originally recorded on December 12th, 2022. Would you support a Democratic opponent against Senator Sinema? I support progressive candidates all over this country, people who have the guts to take on powerful special interests. Does she have the guts to take on powerful special interests? No. No. You tell him, Bernie. She does not. Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles. This is the broadcast as heard on KPFK People Powered Radio in LA 90.7 FM. Also in Santa Barbara 98.7, San Diego's 93.7, and Ridgecrest in China Lake, California 99.5 FM. Also in California in Red Bluff and Redding on KFOI and Round Mountains KKRN. Up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO, Eugene's KEPW. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania on WNUZ, it was WLRI, now WNUZ. In Hawaii, on in Maui, on KAKU. Columbus, Ohio's WGRN. In Palinville, New York, on WLPP. Rochester, New York's WRFZ. Down in New Orleans, on WHIV. Out in Gallup, New Mexico, on KNIZ. Con- uh, uh, Gal- uh, uh, I already said that. Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN. Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ. Seattle's. KODX, Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR, and Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM 950, KTNF. We also stream coast-to-coast and around the globe every day on the Internet. on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Radio for Humans, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, Workforce Rising, No Lies Radio, Verdant Square Radio, Detour Talk, and most of your favorite podcast sites. Blanketing Planet Earth. Five days a week, I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow, says me, from bradblog.com. Okay, we are back following my continuing unavoidable adventures in oral surgery. Hooray, dentistry. That uh, took me out of our previous broadcast, but... A whole bunch of Arizona-related issues happened on Friday that I want to try to touch base with you on today because, in fact, they affect elections all over the country. And even in the case of the corrupt, horrible Kirsten Cinema, it also affects the balance of power in the U.S. Senate. I will get to uh, cinema, I think, I hope, uh, in a little bit, along maybe with some of your phone calls if you want to jump in, uh, some of your thoughts on her jumping from the Democratic Party to become an independent senator who still caucuses, however, with the Democratic Party anyway. Uh, You know, unless you want to ring in on anything else today, including the other Arizona election stories that broke late on Friday night that I kind of want to step through with you today. Uh, Anyway, if you want to write down our number, it's 818-985-5735. If you want to queue up right now, 818-985-KPFK. I believe you will need to hit option number one, because if you hit option number two, we are in fun drive here at KPFK, which I also welcome you to hit. 
that button number two. Indeed, we put the fun in fun drive. There you go, Desi Doyen. Well said. Uh, first, uh, election contests and lawsuits and, and so forth. That's not unusual. They happen all the time, particularly in very close races. Candidates usually seek recounts first, and if they can't uh, have have a recount or if they can't win that way and if they're alleging some sort of irregularity which caused them to lose, well, they may seek a new election in such a lawsuit. It's exceedingly rare for candidates to actually be granted a new election. Things have to have gone really, really bad, or at least the candidate needs to show evidence of enough fraud or other irregularities that without a new election um, or without those irregularities that they would have won that election in the first place. Usually, at best, and frankly, it's in the very, very rarest of circumstances, a new election might be run in such a case. I can recall maybe twice over my nearly 20 years of covering elections that a new election was actually ordered in such a circumstance. Uh, I remember uh, some years ago, I think it was back in 2004, Election officials had actually destroyed data from a Diebold touchscreen voting system that because they had destroyed the data that disallowed a recount for a ballot referendum to take place on, I think it was legalizing marijuana way back then. That was up in Alameda County, California, I believe. It was unprecedented at the time, and the judge ordered a new election on the uh, that on the same initiative to be held, I think, in the next whatever the next election was. And, of course, you'll recall more recently back in 2018 when Republicans in a South Carolina U.S. House district ran a scheme to collect uh, vote by mail ballots that they they would call it harvesting. But they collected these ballots. Then they changed some of those ballots to candidates that the Republicans wanted to win in that election. And, um, you know, they otherwise didn't submit some of the ballots that they had collected. That resulted in the first election in that case, in 2018, for that U.S. House district being annulled and a new election being called with a new Republican challenger replacing the corrupt one who was involved in the scheme to use absentee ballots to steal the election. But those sorts of things, that's very rare. What doesn't generally happen, really ever, that I can think of offhand, is that a judge would simply award the race to the candidate who was certified by election officials to have lost the race simply because, oh, they filed a lawsuit. They asked to be named the winner when all known evidence shows that they actually lost the race. But in the uh, Trump MAGA world that we now live in, that is exactly what happened in several races for several Republican sore losers in Arizona late on Friday. Former candidate for governor Carrie Lake late on Friday filed a lawsuit asking the court to set aside her electoral loss to the Democrat Katie Hobbs and just declare her the winner instead by judicial fiat. 
of course, that ain't going to happen, at least not based on the purported evidence that she included to support this notion in her 70-page lawsuit. If a judge won't declare her the winner, then Lake wants an order requiring Maricopa County, that's Phoenix, it's the largest uh, state's largest county by far. It's more than double the size of any other county in the state. She wants Maricopa County, and apparently only Maricopa County, which she was certified to have lost by about two points. She wants them to redo the gubernatorial election only in Phoenix, only in Maricopa County. Apparently, she had no problems with the counties across the state that she was shown to have won, just not that great big one that she lost in a state where she lost by, well, about 0.7 percentage points. Well, of course, you know, because to MAGA Republicans, the only legitimate election is the one that they win. Of course. She lost this one by 0.7 points, and that's about 17,000 votes in this case out of more than 2.5 million uh, cast. It was a close race. And frankly, she should absolutely be entitled to have at least a recount if she wishes to pay for it. But guess what? The Republican legislature and the governors, Republican governors in Arizona who have run the state for years, well, they have barred candidates who lose by more than half a percentage point. They have barred the ability for those candidates to have a recount at all, even if they are willing to pay for it, which sucks. And I've long fought for more generous recount laws, but that is how it works in Arizona. And in this case, in Phoenix, unless, of course, the GOP, uh, the, the state controlled state Senate there, decides to spend millions of dollars to have a group of partisans like the so-called cyber ninjas come in at the cost of millions of dollars to taxpayers to recount a presidential election the way they did in 2020. When those cyber ninja clowns found that Donald Trump actually lost by more votes to Joe Biden than the originally certified numbers at least according to their ridiculous, secretly carried out so-called post-election forensic audit. Now, uh, for Carrie Lake, there is some basis indeed for her lawsuit, sort of. Uh, Not to declare her the winner, but some basis uh, of a complaint here. Though much of it is also built on little more than Trump-style sore loserism, to be honest. And there are several other lawsuits by several other GOP candidates in Arizona, with some more legit than others, that were also filed on Friday, which I will get to in a moment. They were filed along with Carrie Lake's. The filings on Friday uh, all came within a five-day window from certification of the election result. Uh, That's set by Arizona law. That was after the state certified all of the November 8 races on Monday this past week, and each county had certified all of their races the week prior. So what is this all about then other than sore loserism in Carrie Lake's case? Well, her lawsuit... Uh, comes after she spent weeks making a series of public statements and social media posts aiming at uh, sowing questions in the outcome of the contest that she lost to her Democratic opponent, Katie Hobbs, who currently serves as Secretary of State. But even before the election, 
Lake centered her candidacy on evidence-free claims that the 2020 presidential election had been stolen from Donald Trump, who had endorsed her. For the past month, Lake, her campaign, and her allies have been soliciting Election Day accounts from voters on social media and at rallies to try to make the case that somehow this election was fraudulent or stolen from her. If the process was illegitimate, then so are the results, said Carrie Lake on Twitter on Friday when she announced her lawsuit. Okay, she said, stay tuned, folks. Well, we're tuned. For her part, uh, Katie Hobbs called Lake's suit baseless in a post of her own on Twitter. She described it as, quote, the latest desperate attempt to undermine our democracy and to throw out the will of the voters. The suit claims that the election was corrupted in Maricopa County and that Carrie Lake should simply be declared the winner. The 70-page filing, as the New York Times describes it, relies on a hodgepodge of allegations ranging from voter and poll worker accounts to poll numbers uh, claiming that, you know, voters agreed with Ms. Lake on the uh, on the election's mismanagement poll numbers, meaning polling, you know, people, public opinion polls. But elections are not decided by what some voters might think about an election in some partisan poll or another. And results are certainly not tossed out from elections on that basis. Actual hard evidence that the candidate could have won, but for whatever irregularities uh, occurred that they're able to demonstrate in that case, maybe, maybe you will get a judge to call for a new election. But some of what uh, Lake cites in her lawsuit comes not from last month's election, but it actually comes from 2020, including allegations of wrongdoing by election officials in the state for taking part in efforts to try to tamp down election misinformation (laughs) after after the 2020 election on Twitter before Lake had even declared her candidacy for 2022. (laughs) So she's basically recycling. (laughs) Yes, she is. I mean, it's insane. Before she was even uh, uh, in the race, she was making she is going back to claims that were made by the secretary of state for that election to say that now somehow she should be named the governor. Now, a spokesperson for Maricopa County in the only real response from the county that I've seen so far, uh, they correctly said that the court system is the proper place for campaigns to make their case to challenge results. It is, even if the lawsuit fails. That's opposed to, you know, death threats and menacing behavior from that we've seen from some of the MAGA folks in Maricopa County over the past two years as they try to, you know, intimidate Election officials, including the Republican election officials that generally run the entire county of Maricopa. So the spokesman there said, quote, Maricopa County respects the election contest process and looks forward to sharing the facts about the administration of the 2022 general election and our work to ensure that every legal voter had an opportunity to cast their ballot. Now, a number of those uh, people cited as experts in this lawsuit filed by Carrie Lake and one of the uh, lawyers who filed the case are actually part of an election 
Liar Network that is led by Mike Lindell. Yes, the MyPillow guy, the CEO dude from MyPillow. I'm sure you're shocked to hear that he's behind this particular lawsuit in Arizona. He's been pushing these conspiracy theories without evidence about election machines uh, since at least early 2021. Another lawyer for, uh, of Lakes is a guy who represented the cyber ninja clowns during their pretend forensic audit in Maricopa after the 2020 election. Uh, her legal action came as uh, lawsuits were also filed on Friday by other Arizona Republicans who lost the midterm elections as well, including Mark Fincham, who ran for secretary of state. He lost by 120,000 votes. But he's suing for the very same thing. Make him the secretary of state by fiat. Also, Abe Hamaday, the attorney general candidate, the Republican attorney general candidate, he's trailing his Democratic opponent by just 511 votes in that race uh, that is going uh, into a recount now. His lawsuit is very different from Lake and Fincham's. It does not allege fraud and misconduct. I will explain that in a little bit. One of Lake's lawyers was involved in an earlier federal lawsuit brought unsuccessfully on her behalf and on behalf of Fincham. It was filed before the November 8 election even happened. But as we talked about, I think it was just last week on this show, a federal judge found that it contained, quote, false, misleading and unsupported assertions about the election system. And in fact, the judge sanctioned the attorneys who filed that lawsuit because they were so unsupportable. So the central basis, what is it for the claims from Lake and Fincham? Well, her lawsuit centers on the long lines and other problems that they did have on Election Day in Maricopa County that she alleges led to voter disenfranchisement. Now, I got to sort of stop here because the irony of a Republican candidate charging that long lines led to voter disenfranchisement after so many years of that exact same thing happening to Democrats all over the country and Republicans dismissing those concerns out of hand. Oh, sorry. Long lines? Too bad. We didn't have any problem at our white Republican jurisdiction. I mean, they have not only dismissed those, uh, those, those concerns for year, election after election after election, but they actually cause those long lines on purpose in predominantly Democratic counties and precincts around the country by not deploying enough voting machines or assigning too many voters to certain precincts or denying easy access to vote by mail or early voting to help ease the lines on Election Day. As you know, we have covered that for years on this program and at Bradblog.com, and Republicans in general have never given a damn about it. But believe it or not, I do actually give a damn about it, whether it occurs to Democrats or Republicans or anybody else. But I especially care about it, of course, when it is done on purpose to prevent certain people from voting. And that was decidedly not what happened in Maricopa, at least according to all of the available evidence, which suggests that, yes, there were long lines at certain voting centers in both Republican and Democratic areas of the county alike. And why? Well, because there were serious problems, real ones that occurred with some of the print on demand ballot printers that are used at Maricopa's voting centers. 
There are hundreds of these uh, voting centers across the county. Voters can vote at any of them, any that are convenient to them or near where they live, on the way to or from work. So all of the ballots for all voters must be available at all voting centers, which is why they do a print-on-demand system when voters check in, giving each voter the correct ballot with the correct races for their particular precinct location where they live. And when the, that system failed at about 20 or 30 percent of the voting centers on Election Day in Maricopa last month, well, everyone was able to vote on one of the hand-marked paper ballots that were printed out by those uh, ballot-on-demand printers. But the optical scanners in about, as I say, 20 to 30 percent of the voting centers were having trouble reading the ballots that were printed out by those printers. And the scanners were rejecting them. Now, it is not entirely clear why. Uh, Jen Fifield, she's formerly of the uh, Arizona Republic. She just published a great story on the ongoing investigation into the matter. It appears, as of now anyway, that it has something to do with the type of paper that they were using, uh, that they were printing on with these printers. Also, the volume of voters at some voting centers. Also, the age of the ballot printers all fed into what went wrong here, leading those printers to <clears throat> to uh, print too lightly in some cases to be read by the optical scanners. And yes, it affected voters in Democratic and Republican areas both because uh, it seemed to be random where they occurred within the county. However, because Donald Trump and the MAGA cinematic universe of conspiracy theorists have told their voters not to vote by mail or do not vote during early voting but wait for Election Day, well, there is certainly the potential that more Republicans stood to be affected by this problem because more of them were voting on Election Day. But here's the deal. None of them lost the opportunity to vote. If the optical scanners at the voting centers weren't working, well, people could still vote. They were just instructed to put the ballot into a locked box that was attached to the scanning machines. That ballot would then be tallied later, just as many other counties in Arizona do for all of the voters. And as a matter of fact, so does Maricopa County for early voting. They don't scan them when you go to early vote. You early vote. They print out your uh, ballot on demand. You fill it out and you put it in a lockbox. It is scanned later on back at county headquarters on Election Day. So not being able to scan at the polling place disenfranchised nobody unless they chose to be disenfranchised by it. Because they were getting bad information from, yes, the Republican Party of Arizona, the state Republican Party, who was telling them, uh, don't don't vote. Don't put your uh, ballot into those uh, box number three or door number three or slot number three. They call it different names. Basically, that's the secure ballot box that they're supposed to put their ballot in if the scanners aren't working. But the state GOP was telling them, oh, don't do that. So what some of these folks did uh, was they chose to be disenfranchised by walking away and not voting at all or in uh, a very few select cases. They actually walked away without checking out of the precinct first. They had signed in. They found they couldn't cast their vote and they walked out. They either decided they weren't going to vote at all or they decided, oh, I'm going to go to another voting center and vote there. But if they haven't checked out, then it looks like they have already voted 
And when they went to the other voting center, they were told that they had already voted elsewhere because they failed to check out of that precinct. In those cases, voters should have at least been allowed to vote on a provisional ballot to be tallied later once everything was sorted out. And almost all of them were, despite what Lake and, yes, Fincham pretend uh, are these claims from voter affidavits and so forth that are included in their lawsuits, that they were somehow disenfranchised. But they weren't. Last month, the New York Times reviewed dozens and dozens of these accounts from voters and poll workers and observers that had been posted by Lake and her allies on social media for the past several weeks. Publicly, uh, you know, they, they recounted them at public hearings and so forth following the election. So let me share a little bit of what the New York Times found uh, since this all is at the center of the cases for both Lake and Fincham, as well as the claims that you've likely heard about the disastrous election day in Maricopa. Um, this is about, you know, some many of these voters at some of these voting centers. So the New York Times reported last month when he stepped inside a Phoenix polling place on the morning of Election Day on the way to work, Kevin Bembry was told that the tabulation machines, the scanners were not functioning properly and he might want to vote somewhere else. He said, uh, I've never had that happen before. He's a security officer. He said this in a video that he later posted online. His testimony was one of many such uh, videos that were circulated on social media by activists, right wing media outlets. And yes, Carrie Lake, whose campaign posted Bembry's video along with others in the days following the November 8 election. But the crucial element that was missing so far in all of these accounts, according to The Times, were clear claims that any eligible voters in Maricopa were actually denied the chance to vote. The video that the campaign circulated of Bembry, for instance, was an edited version, a longer version of that same video that was posted on uh, the video site Rumble. In that, he states that despite the inconvenience, he cast his ballot at a nearby polling site, quote, I was able to vote, no waiting, no misreads of the tabulation machines, nothing, he said. So they're using a deceptively edited video as their evidence? Yes, I know. How unlike them, <laughs> right? And now they went through and, and they looked at all of these claims. The New York Times could not actually find anyone who was disenfranchised. Account after account... Uh, when they actually talked to the voters, they were like, well, yeah, it was, it was a little it was in, I was inconvenienced. But, yeah, I was able to vote at the uh, the next polling place over the next voting center over. There was one there was one voter who did not give her her full name to the Times, So we can't verify whether she actually voted or not. But she claimed to have actually been denied the opportunity to cast a ballot outright. Uh, it was a brief video. Carrie Lake posted it, of course, on her Twitter account. But when they talked to that voter, uh, who, again, wouldn't give her real name, they found that she arrived. She admitted she arrived at the polling place at the time that the poll had closed, suggesting that her late arrival, rather than any disenfranchisement, was the reason she was unable to vote. Wow. That's what they're submitting as evidence. That's yep. insane. That is insane. And that is Carrie Lake. And that is what she is using as the basis to say not only should there be a, a, a new election, never mind that, I should be named the winner. 
Just name me the winner. Forget about law. Forget about all the election procedures and laws that are required to be followed in all of these elections and just just declare her the winner. That's, That's what nuts. she wants. That's what she wants. Now, she claims uh, also, by the way, hundreds of thousands of illegal ballots infected the election in Maricopa County, though she seems to have even less evidence to support that. Uh, than, you know, massive voter disenfranchisement because of this printer problem. The lawsuit also references issues that were raised and repeatedly debunked following the 2020 presidential election and the subsequent Republican Arizona Senate review of Maricopa County paid for by the taxpayers carried out by the buffoons of the uh, uh, cyber ninjas. Now, the uh, as to the suit that was brought by Mark Fincham, and he is even uh, if if. If this can be said, he's even Trumpier and maga ear than Kerry Lake is. He success he unsuccessfully, I should say, ran for secretary of state after he had lied about the 2020 election. And by the way, he appeared at the January 6th rally at the U.S. Capitol in uh, 2021. Now, his claims were also filed on Friday, along with uh, a, a congressional hopeful guy by the name of uh, Zink. Uh, I I failed to write down his first name here. These are based on uh, three key allegations from Fincham, which they say gave Democrats an unfair advantage on November 8th. Well, voters were disenfranchised because of the voting machine problems in Maricopa. That shows up in the Fincham and Zinc suits as well. They say voters were forced to wait in long lines or made to deposit ballots into a box to be counted later, which, again, it's nice to hear Republicans giving a damn about long lines. But there is no problem with ballots being counted later, especially when, uh, as the Times seems to suggest, as uh, and as Maricopa County officials insist, and their Republican officials, everyone who wanted to vote got to vote in Maricopa. All right, the second point from Fincham and Zinc. Uh, Hobbs, as uh, Secretary of State, Katie Hobbs has a conflict of interest in overseeing the election as secretary of state because she's also running for governor and she refused to recuse herself. Now, I would agree that is absolutely a conflict of interest. But A, the state law allows it. And B, this would be the first time that Republicans seem to give a damn about such things. If you recall, way, way back in 2018, when Brian Kemp down in Georgia barely defeated Stacey Abrams uh, in the state for governor that year, well, he both served as the secretary of state and he was directly accountable for removing voters from thousands uh, by the thousands from voting rolls down in Georgia and directly overseeing the elections in every single county in the state. Because in Georgia, the secretary of state actually programs all of the voting systems. Unlike in Arizona, where counties by and large run their own elections and the secretary of state is more of a a figurehead overseeing it all. So that's the second reason, because Hobbs didn't recuse herself. That's the second reason that Fincham believes he should be named secretary of state. And also Hobbs failed to properly certify tabulation machines in the state, which allowed the, quote, uninspected and unverified machines to have widespread failures. Now, that is just out and out false for reasons I discussed a a bit last week on the show. So I won't bore you with it again now. So good luck to Fincham and Lake and Zinc. For that matter, 
Zink lost his long shot race against popular incumbent congressman, uh, Democrat Ruben Gallego, by more than 76,000 votes. Gallego is considering running for U.S. Senate against or instead of Kirsten Cinema, but we'll try to get to that in a bit. Both of these men, Fincham and Zink, were both outside the U.S. Capitol on January 6th of 2021 when the Trump supporters stormed the building to prevent Congress from certifying election results that year. Zink's son, by the way, was arrested and indicted on several charges in connection with that riot, including trespassing, obstruction, etc. He's pleaded not guilty. I suspect uh, the suits by all three of these people, Lake, Fincham, Zink, I suspect they will all be tossed out perhaps sooner rather than later by the courts. Now, as to the other lawsuit that was filed by the Republican attorney general candidate Aide, uh, Abe Hamaday, well, that is a very different story. Abe Hamaday is the uh, GOP candidate who lost the race for Arizona attorney general by just 511 votes out of more than two and a half million casts. Uh, that's according to the certified uh, results that uh, have been uh, and, and uh, that have already been signed by the Republican governor and the Democratic secretary of state. Well, Hamaday filed a new lawsuit challenging that election on Friday. The contest between him and Democrat Chris Mays, that still faces an automatic recount due to state law because of the slim margin. And Hamaday's legal challenge seeks to eliminate some votes that he asserts were illegally tallied and includes others that he claims were improperly left out of the official total. But unlike the Lake and Fincham suits, Hamaday's uh, specifically notes that he is not making claims of fraud or nefarious action in the election. That is in stark contrast with Lake and Fincham, particularly Lake, who makes claims of, quote, intentional misconduct, Related to problems at the polls, real problems at the polls. The plaintiffs are not, by this lawsuit, alleging any fraud, manipulation or other intentional wrongdoing that would impugn the outcomes of the November 8, 2022 general election, says the complaint from Hamaday. Plaintiffs bring this lawsuit to ensure that all lawfully cast votes are properly counted and that unlawfully cast votes are not counted. So, OK, it sounds good. It sounds totally appropriate from uh, this Republican, especially with an election margin of just 511 votes out of more than two and a half million cast. And that's even true if Hamaday is also a Trump-backed MAGA right-winger. Yes, even MAGA right-wingers and their voters deserve to know if they actually won or lost. And by the way, that includes Lake and Fincham as well. But there is just no evidence that voters were cheated to change the final results in those races from Lake and Fincham. Hamaday's race against Mays? Well, that's a different animal altogether. Hamaday makes seven specific claims in his lawsuit that Maricopa County officials inaccurately marked some people as having voted and thus prevented them from casting ballots later at a different voting center and they uh, after they left the ones where the scanners weren't working as expected. He charges that Maricopa County prevented some people who could not prove their identity from casting provisional ballots, which I find interesting. 
If they did that, that is certainly a problem since any voter should be able to cast a provisional ballot to be determined later if they had a right, an actual legal right to vote. But because Republicans have spent so many years preventing voters from voting unless they had very specific ID, well, I suspect that some poll workers did not know any better and, yes, prevented those presumably Republican voters from voting without the proper ID, just as the Republicans had set up. Hamaday also charges the county officials from across the state inaccurately tabulated voter preferences when duplicating ballots at the, that, the, that the machines could not read. And I don't know if that happened or not, frankly, but I have long had a problem with election officials taking ballots that could not be read by the optical scanners and then remaking them by hand on a separate ballot to then be scanned rather than simply hand counting those ballots that for whatever reason were unscannable. It's supposed to be overseen this process by bipartisan election officials. I assume it was, but who knows? Either way, I find it unbelievably offensive that someone is remaking my ballot, frankly. It is not unlawful. That's how they do it all over the country. But, um, you know, you you will try and, and argue anything you can when you're trailing by just 511 votes. Yeah, remaking remaking the ballots is just also offensive to me, and it seems really stupid and inefficient. <laughs> Not just because it's the opportunity to introduce errors, which presumably are being overseen, but it's just inefficient. Just count them by hand. They're right there in front of you. So that's uh, three or three or four or where are we here? Uh, he uh, Hamaday argues that the county defendants inaccurately tabulated voter pref- preferences when adjudicating ballots. What does that mean? Well, sometimes you can't the computer can't read uh, a mark on the ballot or there isn't one at all as the computer sees it. And so they have the adjudication process where people, again, bipartisan, look at those ballots and make sure there wasn't a vote there. Sometimes there is a clear vote, like a check mark. Instead of filling in the bubble, there's a check mark, which means that the computer may not, the scanner may not read it as a vote. Well, they adjudicate it with human beings. And if, you know, the mark was too light or something, well, they can see it and they say, oh, that that actually is a vote for candidate A or candidate B. So Hamaday is claiming that during the process, some the adjudication process, some votes were mistallied, uh, but a recount should discover that one way or another, and a recount is happening. Also, county officials improperly accepted some early ballots when the signatures on the envelopes did not match signatures on file for those voters. That is always a concern because signature matching is usually done by non-professionals and because signatures change over time. That's just one reason that some jurisdictions are moving away from using signatures at all to determine voter authenticity on on, uh, mail-in ballots. He also charges the county officials improperly counted faint marks as undervotes, which would uh, tie into the adjudication issue already mentioned. And finally, that county officials did not count some provisional ballots because their voter lists were not properly uh, maintained. Again, if they've got evidence for that, that should be easy to demonstrate and to then, you know, count those ballots, those provisional ballots that for some reason were not counted because they still exist. The lawsuit claims 126 people cast provisional ballots that were not counted because of that problem. And another 269 people submitted early ballots that were also not counted. That brings us up to 395. That's almost 400 votes. 
The suit also claims a material, quote, material number of voters were denied the chance to even cast provisional ballots because of these issues. So, again, in a race of the margin of 511, this contest is perfectly appropriate. Whether it changes the outcome, well, that remains to be seen. But I just want to separate what Hamaday is doing here from the baseless, buffoonish, sore loser lawsuits that were filed by Carrie Lake and Mark Fincham and that zinc dude. Because, you know, when I point out uh, some of the buffoonery from uh, folks like Lake and Fincham and, of course, Donald Trump back in 2020, I'll hear from people who say, well, Brad, you used to, you know, claim this law, this uh, uh, election was 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 fraudulent or this lawsuit should be uh, should change the results of an election. Well, I think these are people who are not paying close attention to what I said. But the larger point is. That, yes, there are some cases where it's perfectly appropriate to question and challenge the results. And in other cases, they are simply making stuff up, pulling stuff out of their rear ends, which is what Donald Trump did in 2020, which is what Kerry Lake is doing now, which is what uh, Mark Fincham is doing now in Arizona. And that is not apparently, at least not yet, what this Hamaday guy running for state attorney general in Arizona is doing. Now, for the record, the attorney representing uh, uh, Mays, the Democrat who was certified to have won by 511 votes, uh, her attorney says that he expects the judge to dismiss the case because the arguments don't show that there were enough votes at stake for Hamaday to actually change the outcome of the election. The attorney uh, says it's all based on information and belief. There are no facts. It's like we believe this may have happened, but they can't show the results would have shifted by more than 511 votes to have Hamaday be the winner. So we will see. Again, the Maricopa County spokesman said the court system is the proper place for campaigns challenging the results to make their case. And I agree. Even bad lawsuits. Make them in court instead of with a gun outside of a drop box or outside of a counting room, instead of threatening these election officials who work so hard that Carrie Lake goes out, goes down to Mar-a-Lago and, Mar-a-Lago and calls them clowns, the election workers, the tens of thousands of them around the hundreds of thousands of them around the country who work way too long for way too many hours for way too little money to then be threatened by supporters of people like Carrie Lake and Mark Fincham, who are making up crap about their elections. So let's hope this stays in court and let's hope it gets uh, thrown out, uh, at least in the case of Lake and Fincham, unless they turns out they've got some sort of actual evidence. And if they lose those challenges in courts, well, Hopefully the candidates who lost end up respecting that verdict. But we will see. I'd love to hear from you on all of this. If you have any questions or any thoughts uh, or anything that I've gotten wrong or I've left out of this story, uh, or even if you just agree, 818-985-5735 is our phone number. Hit uh, option number one to join us on air. Uh, I'm also hoping to talk about Kirsten Cinema's jump from the Democratic Party. Speaking of Arizona, her jump from the Dem Party on Friday to become an independent and why she's doing that, what it means for Democrats in the Senate between now and 2024. 
My number, 818-985-KPFK. If you would like to discuss that or anything else on your mind today as we near year's end, 818-985-KPFK. Your calls and more right after this. I hope I'm Brad Friedman and you are listening to the Bradcast. Hey, this is Brad here at the Bradcast and bradblog.com. We fight for election integrity all year around, like no other media outlet in the nation. But of course, we need your help to do it. Please stop by bradblog.com slash donate to make an automated monthly pledge of any amount you like, or even just a one-time-only contribution to help us remain on your public airwaves and completely independent. The fight for voting rights, civil rights, and to save our planet continues. Please help us continue that fight independently over your public airwaves by stopping by bradblog.com slash donate right now. Go ahead, do it right now. From Desi Doyen and myself, thank you. You're listening to an encore presentation of the Bradcast. I love you, Arizona. <laughs> Your yes, yes. The worst possible... Uh, broadcast bumper music you will ever hear on this program. <laughs> a rock-bottom guarantee from us here at the broadcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Thanks for sticking with us. My mother loves that song. So there you go. So I play it every now and again when I can stand it. Hope you can, too. Uh, Merry Christmas and Happy Hanukkah, Mom. Uh, uh, we'll take some of your calls at 818-985-KPFK on anything having to do with Arizona that I just covered in the last, oh, I don't know, 45 minutes or so. But also, uh, when it comes to Arizona, well, just days after the uh, Democratic Senator Raphael Warnock ensured that he will, in fact, serve a six-year term as U.S. Senator from Georgia in his runoff election last Tuesday, Donald Trump's uh, that against Donald Trump's handpicked horrible candidate, Herschel Walker, in the Peach State, that assured that there would be uh, Democrats would have a 51-49 majority in the upper chamber. That after they failed to lose a single Democratic-held seat in the Senate. That's the first time a party who controlled the White House had actually done that since 1934. But just days after that, Democratic Senator Kirsten Sinema of Arizona announced Friday that she has registered as an independent. She faces re-election uh, in 2024 herself after spending the last two years sort of undercutting much of the Democrats' agenda, including on voting rights, on abortion rights, on much more, even while pretending to support those issues. But refusing to uh, reform the undemocratic Senate filibuster in order to actually take action on those things. So she has become wildly unpopular in her home state and among her own party, the Democrats. She is wildly disliked in Arizona uh, among both Democrats and Republicans, more Republicans like her than Democrats. She said, I fit I don't fit well into a traditional party system. She said in an interview on Friday, which is true if by traditional party system, she means a system where voters who went to bat for her big time to get her seated in the Senate in the first place actually expect the candidate that they worked so hard for 
to actually vote with the supporters instead of against them. Here's a clip from uh, from that interview on Friday announcing her party label change on on Friday with CNN's Jake Tapper. When you look at your voting record and the issues that are important to you as spelled out on your website, most of them are traditional Democratic issues, expanding health care access, uh, abortion rights, LGBTQ rights, environmentalism, uh, green energy. That sounds like a Democrat to me. I know this is really hard for lots of folks, especially in D.C., but what's important to me is to not, to not be tethered by the partisanship that dominates politics today. Oh. I'm actually not even thinking Please. about electoral politics or talking about that at all right now. Uh-huh. Oh, stop. Just stop. I mean, this is absolutely about electoral politics, and it's about her electoral politics specifically because of what she has done over the past two years. She was almost certainly going to be primaried by Democrats in 2024. But this way, if she runs in 2024 as an so-called independent, she won't have to face a primary. She could just run as an independent and probably uh, help whoever the Democrat is, uh, if, if, if whoever wins the nomination in 2024. She's probably helping that Democrat to lose to the Republican. This is about her. This is not about the party at all, particularly since she claims she's going to continue caucusing with the Democrats. In fact, she hasn't actually attended a caucus meeting in the Senate with Democrats for several years, reportedly. But this is what she claims. So it was going to be 51-49 before she jumped from Democrats to independent. It is going to be 51-49 to 49 now in the same way. The only difference is Kirsten Cinema's personal future and how things work out. It is pathetic. 818-985-KPFK. Am I, am I wrong? Is there something I'm missing here? I mean, she, you know, is likely to lose bigly if she runs as an independent. Right now, her support is anywhere from 5% to 35% across the entire state, depending on which poll you look at. So, but nonetheless, she could cost Democrats a seat in the Senate. Um, when they're going to have another tough year in 2024 defending Democratic Senate seats in red states that year. 818-985-KPFK is our phone number. Let's try to get a couple of calls in here. Brian in Temecula. Hey, Brian, welcome to the broadcast, sir. Hey, Brad. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Hey, you know, I, I see things a little bit differently. We, you and I typically disagree on a lot of stuff, but I also have the best interest of our country at heart. And mm -hmm. I think right now we're so divided, it's gotten bad. Red, blue, red versus blue, blue versus red. And the problem is, it's both sides. You've got Stacey Abrams, who never concedes her elections. You've got you know, Hillary back in when she wouldn't that uh, the doofus wasn't the true president. I don't like him either, so I'm not on that side. I'm just saying, it's, it's just sad that we have to just go I... to this point now in this country where we just, just, just constantly back and forth. We can't find any common ground. Who, cinema, yeah. Go ahead. I think cinema, you know, like I said, I, I, I tend, I'm very liberal with, uh, with uh, social aspects, fiscally very conservative. Mm -hmm. So I find myself kind of in the middle. Mm -hmm. I think cinema, granted, that's what I'm saying. It's always about a title. It's about what party do you 
do you do you support and you cannot break from your party no matter what it's like no that's not true so if you disagree with something you disagree with something period yeah, yeah. well but so why is um why is Kirsten Cinema and I have uh, a few responses I want to share with you on on your Hillary comments on your Stacey Abrams comments but why is Kirsten Cinema actually leaving the Democratic Party as you see it You know, I don't have an answer for that. I don't know what her motivations are. Yeah. I, like I said, we'll, we'll have to wait till 2024 to see if it really does impact her. Well, it, her if motivations if are about her and her political future. They don't have anything to do with policy, and they don't have anything to do with, oh, sometimes I don't agree with uh, Democrats on everything. Well, guess what? Senator Mark Kelly, who just won re-election, a Democrat in Arizona, uh, he also doesn't agree with the Democrats and uh, on on many things. And yet the state had no problem reelecting him. He has like a 95 percent approval rating in the Democratic Party versus a 5 percent approval rating uh, among uh, uh, Kirsten Sinema. So my point is, uh, in I just, I just, yeah, go ahead. No, I just I just think that the Oh, no. Did we lose him? All right, Brian, I don't I, hopefully you can still uh, hear us. Uh, we lost you. You broke up for a second there, Brian. But let me uh, I'm here. Can you hear me? Can, okay. can you hear me? OK, hang on, Brian. Let me let me res- let me respond to you a few thoughts, because you you threw some stuff out there about Hillary uh, and Stacey Abrams. Well, Stacey Abrams uh, had evidence to suggest it was an unbelievably close race. She had evidence to support the fact that had Brian Kemp, the guy she was running against, not uh, uh, uh purged voters from the polls that she might have won. Now, she didn't. uh, I don't think she asked for. Hang on. Hang on, Brian. Brian, let me. Brian, let me. Brian, I will. I promise. She didn't ask for a recount. She didn't spend the next several years talking about how the election was stolen from her. She just basically refused to concede. I think she even congratulated uh, uh, Brian Kemp, but she said she didn't feel she lost properly. Your response, Brian. Okay. My response is, do you see, Brad, how you say when someone on your progressive Democratic side of things, there's no excuse? Nope. 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 No, that's not true, Brian. That's not true. Brian, that's not true. And I'm going to get and I'm going to get short. Hang on, Brian. Brian. Hang on. I'm going to get I'm going to get short with you only because we are at the top of the hour. If you have listened to the show, if you have read bradblog.com over the years, you will see I went to bat for far far right Republicans who I would never support, who I would never vote for when they got screwed over by the voting system. I just spent a half hour in support of Abe Hamaday, who is a far right MAGA minion, saying he has every right to challenge that election. There are 511 votes uh, margin. He very well may have a case to win. So if you want to turn this into, uh, oh, Brad is just against anyone who isn't with his party. That's not my party, Brian. I'm not a Democrat. I'm not a Republican. I'm talking about the you're facts the, here. You're part of the problem, Brad. Okay. Thanks, you. Thank you, Brian. I appreciate the, the call. I just, the people have to get together. Uh-huh. That's just it. That's all it is. Happy to. Have to get together. Happy to. And stop having parties. I have no. I, I have no. I have no problem at all with Republicans, Brian. 
I have a problem with liars. I've listened to you for a while. I okay. would I would sincerely disagree with your comment on that one. Yeah. Well, I've heard you bash Republicans. Yes, because they are liars, Brian, not because they are Republicans. I don't hear you bashing, I don't hear you bashing Democrat, progressive liberal Democrats. Like who? Uh, AOC. She's an idiot. Is she a liar? What did she lie about? She, she, Is she corrupt? She what did she do? Amazon, she got a she got her district in New York City completely off the page with Amazon, who's going to build a, a factory there and yep. provide tons of jobs. Oh. And she got them picked up. Right. They, so they you got, no, I got it, Brian. And I got to get out at the top of the hour. I don't mean to cut you off here. Uh, it sounds like you disagree with the policy that AOC had in her district. That is fine. I wasn't asking about policies. I was asking about liars. And I appreciate your call. 818. Oh, I don't have time. 818-985-KPFK is, however, a phone number that you should keep in mind as we are in FunDrive here. And we have time for uh, one more? We do. Yes. Okay. Hey, it's always, as always, Mo in Long Beach. Hey, Morris, welcome to the broadcast, sir. I'm sorry I can't get to anyone else because I wanted to take some time to talk to Brian. Anyway, Mo, welcome to the show, sir. Hey, I love everybody. I love everybody. Undermining uh, American elections comes from a fascistic playbook. Uh, your 2024 nominees, it's going to be Trump and Lake. If Trump is out, it's going to be Lake and Marjorie Taylor Greene. And then your Democratic nominees are going to be Pete Buttigieg and uh, my girl Stacey Abrams. And your boy Brian that's a fiscal conservative, audit the U.S. government. Thank you very much. Talk to you next week. (laughs) Thanks, Mo. And, of course, I don't do predictions around here. You folks can do all the predictions you like. But... um, you know, this this nonsense that we are disagreeing because it's Republican versus Democrats, you know, we hold liars to account here. We hold corrupt officials to account and we fight for voters, not for any particular candidate to yeah. make sure all votes are counted as cast. Yeah, and people often don't understand really how election laws and administration and procedures actually work. And, and you know, they're important. And if you don't understand how election laws and procedures work, then you are open to being disinformed and misinformed by yep. liars and people who just don't know what they're talking about. And that makes, you know, it's it's important to talk about these and these things and help people understand. If you don't know, now you know. <laughs> there you go. Thank you very much, Desi Doyen, our producer uh mark maxwell on our board op today thank you sir and to all of you who uh called in and even those i couldn't get to thank you very much most importantly thanks to those who support this show this station no matter what station you are listening on uh drop me email if you like i'm bradcast at bradblog.com on the facebooks and the twitters i am the brad blog and now yes also on mastodon you can find me there at the brad blog at jorna.host try to find me there i'm figuring it out this whole mastodon thing but doing my best we'll see you there until we see you here next time i'm brad friedman good luck world
I'm Rick Smith, and this is Labor History in Two. On this day in labor history, the year was 1945. That was the day President Truman appointed a fact-finding panel to investigate the General Motors strike. As many as 320,000 UAW GM workers had been on strike for nearly three weeks. They had suffered deep wage cuts, deteriorating working conditions, and endless contract violations during the war. The UAW workers now demanded a 30% wage increase. But President Truman and GM acted as if it was still wartime. Truman ordered a 30-day cooling-off period to be followed by compulsory arbitration. Just two days earlier, 10,000 strikers picketed GM, encircling their downtown headquarters for over an hour. The CIO held an emergency conference vowing to continue and spread the strike. CIO President Philip Murray took to the radio in defense of the strike. He noted that corporations had made millions in wartime profits, that wage cuts since VJ Day had been as high as 50% and denounced Congress for burdensome new tax laws. Murray added that Truman's proposed fact-finding act and other anti-labor laws served to, quote, weaken and ultimately to destroy labor union organizations. Bob Carter, chairman of the AC Spark Plug Strike Committee and chairman of the Greater Flint CIO Council, remarked, I am against arbitration and will oppose the setting up of fact-finding committees. Anyone acquainted with the labor history of this country knows that those committees are used by political stooges of the corporations to cheat workers out of their just demands. The strike ended in partial victory the following March, with strikers winning a 17.5% raise, just over half their original demand. But UAW members demonstrated their solidarity and their refusal to be cowed into going back to work on the government's terms. 